Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. What an honor, what a privilege to be able to uh, be with you tonight and um, open God's Word. It is indeed an honor. And uh, I've been praying about this uh, message that God would give me the right words for you and um, especially for my colleagues in the ministry that uh, the Word of God would encourage us uh, to go forward, never to look back, but keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Uh, there's so much to do. And, uh, and we are the guys to do it. So tonight I would like to speak to you uh, on 1 Samuel chapter 16. First Samuel chapter 16. For such a time as this, for such a time as this, chapter 16 and verses 14 through the 18th verse. <clears throat> but the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said to him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite that is cunning in playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Dear Lord, I come before you in all humility, Father. Your word already has been blessed, but I pray now that you will bless our ears, and that you will bless our minds, and that you will open our hearts to your word, that it may indeed be a blessing to all of us tonight. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen. Uh, we have a problem in the world today. Never have we seen such ruin everywhere. Never have we seen such social upheaval. 
Never have we seen such political confusion. Never have we seen such corruption. Never have we seen such chaos. The world is in a mess. The world is a mess. We find ourselves looking helplessly as crisis after crisis develops into full-fledged disasters. Our leaders stand idly by as groups, nations, and religious fanatics abuse and insult our dignity as Americans and as Christians, and hardly a word is said to defend our values if there are any values left to defend. We have a problem in the world today. People could care, care, could care less about God. People care even less about God's word, about God's preaching. The word Jesus Christ sometimes is offensive to some ears. We are a nation of skeptics and cynics. Religious and moral indifference is the norm. And as far as social and moral trends go, we just watch helplessly as the tale of indecency wags the rest of the dog. David steps into the stage of history such a time as this. Saul was a miserable person. And because he was a miserable person, Israel was a miserable nation. We have a problem in the world today. And that problem is sin. Sin is the cause of all the chaos, confusion, corruption, in morality in the world today, as it has been since the Garden of Eden. Our society desperately needs men and women who will make an impact for Jesus Christ in such a dismal environment as we have today. God's plan for Israel was simple. It was real simple, very simple. Put a man of God with right qualities on the scene and let the devil beware. God's servants today are indeed being sent as sheep in the midst of wolves. Uh, to quote our leader, Jesus Christ. And our people better know what they're doing when they get out there. To all my colleagues today here in this place, and to all those of you who are laymen, members of the church, Christians at large, family members, those of us who love and cherish the precious name of Jesus Christ, I say to you, God has chosen us to bring joy and happiness to a very sad and miserable world, and he wants us to do it today. 
seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. The Bible urges us to rejoice evermore. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16, it encourages us to bring happiness through Jesus Christ to a sad and pessimistic world. The Bible urges us to bring peace to a grotesque and violent world. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Saul, the king of Israel, needed comfort and peace in God's man at the time was assigned the same task that you and I receive today. Do something positive out of this mess. But how? How do I do it? Do I have the right tools? Who am I? How can I do it? Well, David met the requirements needed to be the servant and the leader that God wants for such a time as this. First of all, he knew how to play. And he knew how to play well. He played the harp very well. He was an expert musician. An expert musician. Now, you know that there are musicians and there are musicians. And just because two people play the violin, uh, one is a violinist and the other one's a, a fiddler. And there's a big difference between the two. I, I'd like to think that I play the piano, but I'm not a pianist. Do you understand the difference? There are people who are experts at what they do. David was an expert musician. David played well, very well. And I believe that God's man today must know the Bible extremely well. This is the instrument that God has given to us to go out there and calm Saul. St. Paul encourages us to be the workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Too many of our institutions are turning out leaders with less than the basic knowledge of Scripture needed to rightly divide the word of truth. Young people, get into the word. Get into the book. Get into the Bible, preacher. Read this precious book. And read it not just to prepare your sermon for Sunday. Let us enjoy it for ourselves. Take a little time to read just for you. It feels good. God speaks to me not always when I prepare to speak to my congregation. He speaks to me when I read for me. 
When I enjoy time with my Lord, He speaks to me. We need to know how to play our instrument well. Yes, know your instrument very well. Be a craftsman at Bible teaching and preaching. Know the ins and outs of basic fundamental doctrinal thought. Know how to support your theological stance. Not by personal insistence and individual hard-headedness, but by sound biblical proof. It doesn't matter what it is that you think. What matters is what the book says. And if the book backs up your thought, then it is the word of God. Know your instrument well. Secondly, we are going to be called to defend our faith. David was a brave man. This is the second quality that this man reported to, Paul, to Saul. Let me tell you, the world we live in is a tough neighborhood. Tough situations call for tough men and women. In many instances, we have allowed second best to be the norm. And so, in many churches today, complacency, compromise, and downright defeatism have replaced true conviction. The spiritual atmosphere today screams for brave, courageous people to take up the fight. It isn't easy to get out there and preach the Word of God the way the Word of God needs to be preached anymore. Liberalism is taking over our churches many times. And the Lord asks me, are you preaching what I told you to preach? Well, if I do, someone will get hurt. If I do, someone will be uncomfortable. It is not politically correct, and in some areas it's not even legal anymore to say what the Word of God says. It takes courage. It, is, it takes courage to be a preacher today. It takes courage to be a missionary out there today. You put your life on the line every day. This is the age of technology. Technology gone rampant. Gone crazy. Something that you buy today and everyone says is the latest gadget. Is, this is it. This is the end. By next week, brother, it's obsolete. It's done. You've got to get something better than what you had yesterday. Computers and satellites and, 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 and machinery and all these things that I don't even understand. have taken over. They run our lives now. The click of a mouse or whatever you call those things. I don't know why they call it a mouse, but... So be it. Can touch millions of people, for good or bad, depending. 
I find out to my amazement and sometimes to my fear that people listen to me and watch my sermons online in Nicaragua or in Panama or in other places and I say, my, my, my. I better say the right thing, brother. <laughs> Somebody's watching you. We are living in those days today. You know that. We need to be the leaders who will cur courageously influence the world with the gospel of Christ. We can do it now, you see. We have all this stuff at our disposal. It's in our hands now. We can do things that nobody could do in years past. We can reach millions of people if only we have the resolve and the courage to do it. We need to be the leaders that God can use to bring the fundamental tenets of our faith, our Baptist distinctives, to a cynical atmosphere. That Christian atmosphere that is not Christian anymore. We need to shake the can. We need to shake the tree. We need to say what the Bible says. We need to tell the truth. An ambiance so full of liberalism and liberal ideology that many of our leaders would rather acquiesce without a moment's hesitation and not even a hint of courage or resolve. God warned Joshua about this and encouraged him to be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. And the same promise stands for you and for me. Thirdly, we are at war. We are at war. This is a war. This is a war. The stakes are high. What is at stake? Well, first of all, and most important, the salvation of the lost. Their salvation or their condemnation. Happiness or misery. Families united or destroyed. Churches joyously worshiping the Lord or embroiled in turmoil. You name it. It's a war. David, the Bible says, was a man of war. He never ran around looking for a fight. But as far as we know, he never ran from one either. The Bible tells us in chapter 17 that he went at Goliath with a slingshot, a rock, and a prayer. We go at Satan with pretty much the same at our disposal. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The only thing that Satan submits to there's no reason or excuse for us to go around trying to make theological mountains out of doctrinal molehills. 
But let us not back down either. When we're right, we're right. And people need to know that you're right, preacher. If you're right, you're right. Don't be ashamed of being right. If someone will attack you, they will attack you because you're right. And this is this. We're in a state of war. Understand. We are weak. We are faulty men. We sometimes feel like, like David. But understand also that as Jesus, we can beat Satan at his own game, in his own field of battle, with the word of God, not only in your hand, but in your heart and in your mind as well. Fourthly, there's something that we still need to master. We need to ask God for wisdom. Wisdom. Not necessarily intelligence and smarts. Wisdom. Sabiduría. Wisdom. Jesus once said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. The Bible says that David was a discreet and prudent man. A wise man. Now, before you think of me as being a pompous old preacher like some other guys, every time we say, well, in the Greek it says like this. People say, oh, no, there he goes again. Flaunting his Greek knowledge. I have no idea. I, I, I believe. But I have dictionaries in my library. Amen. And I have concordances and all that kind of stuff. So I can cheat a little bit. Yeah. And I looked up the word prudent in the Greek. And the, the word is phronimus, which means prudent, sensible, practically wise in relationship with others. Oh, what a wonderful characteristic that may be. What a great attribute for a preacher of the Word of God. That we be wise and prudent and discreet and loving with our people. Ours is a very interesting vocation, not unlike that of a physician or an attorney, where privacy and prudence are desirable qualities. We will be asked uh, to deal with problems and situations that were never covered in school. Most of my ministry today, I must have missed that class. I wasn't there that day. The, the, the things that we have learned, the things that we go through every day are things that life has brought to us. And we need to be, like David, a prudent and wise man to, me, to be able to take care of those personal and private issues that people sometimes bring to us. And that love, and that caring, and that personal touch that people expect from the minister, from, from, from the pastor. It isn't just enough to run the church. We need to love the church and love our people. 
and be their, not only their pastor, but be their shepherd. We'll be asked to wear many different hats, depending on the situation, and all the time holding our tongues and holding our tempers. Let Christ be our example to follow. The Bible says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he, he opened not his mouth. We need to know when to act. We need to know when to speak. We need to know when to be silent. And finally, we have been called also to bring God's beauty and grace into this otherwise drab and offensive world. The Bible says that David was a, he was a good-looking man. He was a handsome man. The last line of verse uh, 18 of chapter 16 reads as follows, And a comely person, and the Lord is with him. The Spanish word, uh, of the translation that was made in 1569 by Casiodoro de Reina uses the word hermoso to describe a comely, a handsome, a good-looking person. Hermoso, hermoso meaning wonderful, extremely good-looking, beautiful countenance. David was a good-looking guy. A real nice-looking man. Handsome fellow. But you see, it had nothing to do with his physical appearance. Physical appearance becomes secondary. I know very handsome people, very, very good-looking people who are terrible to talk with, offensive. They're all over TV. They're all over the movies. They're all over the place. Offensive, terrible lives. David was a wonderful, a beautiful man because God was with him. The Bible says that. Aside from being physically good looking, the Spirit of God was with him. And that made him a wonderful, beautiful person. That's all. God was with him. And that made him special. Young people, you... You are someone special. My friend, you, preacher, you're someone special. Hermana, tú eres una persona muy especial para el Señor. You, sister, you're a very beautiful person, very special to God. You were so special, in fact, that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, would not be lost, would not go to hell, but have eternal, everlasting, wonderful, joyous life with God in heaven. He loved me so, and he made a beautiful person out of an ugly man. And that's what we do all the time when we win someone for Christ. That person who had nothing to give, nothing to offer, no real attributes, no real talent, no real gifts. Oh, little is much when God is in it. When God lays his hands on you, he can turn you completely around. And that drunk, that pusher, 
dope addict, that prostitute. And we have seen every type of people come through our church. And we have seen, the, seen them changed by the power of God. My friend, oh, let the people out there see God's glory, God's beauty in you. You must reflect his light to a darkened world. We must show his beauty to a hateful people. The Bible, uh, St. Paul writing to the Colossians gives us one of the most wonderful and beautiful definitions of what I'm talking about in chapter 3 and verse 9, when he says, Lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, love, love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed. Now listen. Whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So let the world see the beauty of Jesus within us. Let the world see Jesus in me. I need my church to see Jesus in me. If I want my membership to reflect the light of Christ, they need to see it in me first. Preacher, let the world see Jesus in you. Ladies, allow Jesus in your heart, in your life, so that people can see Jesus Christ in you, wherever you go and whatever you do. And whatever you say will portray Jesus Christ. That's all that really matters. True beauty comes from the inside, from a heart that's been dedicated to his service 
and from a servant who's willing to pay the price in order to fulfill that service. Oh, make no mistake, my friends. Tonight we, we echo the words of Mordecai as he spoke to Esther thousands of years ago. Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? There's a reason why you and I are in the ministry today. Today. We don't know if Christ will come tomorrow. Or greater disasters will happen between now and next year. Today is a day of action for you and for me. It is time to get serious today. Let us not wait for next month. This is the time to act. So let us be experts and talented players of the instrument that brings peace and joy to the world, the Word of God. Let us be courageous and bold in Jesus Christ. Let us fight a good fight when the need arises and emerge victorious because Christ is the victory. Let us have the gift of prudence, wisdom, and love. And let us reflect the beauty of Christ in our lives through our ministry. And as in the words of that wonderful old man of days past, J. Vernon McGee, May God richly bless you, my beloved. Thank you. God bless you, my brother.